0: Announced you know, retirement of Coach Mitch yesterday had me doing some thinking about his favorite positional room. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovachowicz of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. John Mitchell was listed As the first two words of the press release that the team put out yesterday, after which it was either Mitch or Coach Mitch, because that's the only way anyone refers to him. In fact, Art Rooney's statement within that press release called him, first two words of it, Coach Mitch. Now, it's been a while since he's been the defensive line coach. That hasn't been the case since 2017. Carl Dunbar, of course, has held those responsibilities. But he did retain the title, the respectful title, the legitimate title of assistant head coach to Mike Tomlin. And Tomlin, in his own statement, uh, absolutely glowed about what Coach Mitch meant to the Steelers, to their culture, to their history. So their personality, really, the discipline components, that sort of thing. And you can say what you want about discipline in the Steelers because you can cite something from you know a few years ago regarding Antonio Brown or someone else. You got to understand, there is a reason that Antonio Brown was among the most productive and electric wide receivers of his generation while he was in Pittsburgh and why he was a complete catastrophe everywhere else that he went. It's because of that culture that was cultivated by Tomlin, Coach Mitch, and a lot of other people. He'll be missed. No question about that. He'll be missed. My guess is he'll also be around trying to picture that facility without him is is just, wow. But, hey, cycle of life and all that other stuff, and it's time for a new defensive line. That's again what this got me thinking about. You know, Cam Hayward being 34, Tyson Alulu being roughly the same age and very much done. Larry Ogunjobi being a free agent. And then from there, you start getting into whatever's going to constitute this next wave of D linemen. And my belief. And believe you me, it is the belief of people at South Water Street, beginning and first and foremost with Coach Mitch, that the Pittsburgh Steelers are defined by their D-line. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect. Rigor. Relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. They have been that ever since the greatest player in franchise history was their first-round pick. Because once Mean Joe Green came in, and you were able to eventually not all that long from then, build up what would end up constituting the steel curtain. That became the calling card, not just because of the clever name, but because everything was built around them. Sure, they had Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, Mel Blunt, so many others on that defense. But it started with Mean Joe, and it continued with Elsie Greenwood, who really ought to be in Canton, and Dwight White, and Ernie Holmes. And the offense, then as now, was something that kind of just developed after the fact. I mean, Joe gave credit to the now late Franco Harris as being the one who, as soon as Franco came along, we started winning. And that was a fair statement to make, because the Steelers then finally began putting up points commensurate to what their defense was preventing. They did need both sides of the ball. Sure enough, when things got good again in the 90s, under Bill Cower, where did it start? Look at who those guys were up front. Look at the truly great Aaron Smith. Look at the big boys who were in the equation before you even got to the linebackers. Look at Big Snack. And then from there, there's a legacy. There's a humanitarian legacy. That's something that the defensive linemen from one generation pass on to each other. It's surprising to me how many Steelers fans aren't aware of this. Like They know, for example, that Cam Hayward is a a tremendous community figure. And I know he pumps up the hashtags on the Walter Payton Man of the Year stuff, and, and and he has every right to do that, but he also performs the acts that he does From the best possible place well cam didn't start it he'd be the first to tell you that he's just continuing it before him was brett kiesel who by the way is still out there constantly visible giving his time in the community and as kiesel was reminding me i ran into him just recently this is how it goes and this is how it'll go when cam's done if cam's ever gonna be done it's going to get passed on to somebody else. But then that's the question now, isn't it? Who is somebody else? I liked what I saw of DeMarvin Leal, but I also understand and appreciate that he was utilized in something of a I, I, gimmicky. Sounds mean, and I, I don't mean it to. I, I like the way he was utilized by Tomlin, by Brian Flores, by Terrell Austin to line up in a certain way against certain opponents or even in certain situations. Remember when T.J. Watt first got hurt? It was Leal that they had lining up on the left side just telling him to go eat. You know, they just wanted him to get back to the quarterback. And he handled most of those well. He did get exposed in the final game, I thought, to an extent against Cleveland. But, you know, he's a kid. And he's got a whole lot of progress that's expected to be made from year one to year two. But... Do any of us look at Leal and say, oh, yeah, starter in 2023? Does anyone do that? I mean, I hope he does. I'd love to think that the coaches do. Any of us, though? I don't know. You know, I'm not penciling him in. I want to see Okunjobi get signed. But what else is there? Who else is there? This is the time. You know, this has been kind of one of those uh, under-the-surface situations and every year, it comes up around the draft like, well, Cam's not going to be here forever, or you don't know about Stefan Tuit's situation, and you're just going to wait and wait and wait and wait. And then, well, well, absolutely, this year, got to get a running back, remember? Got to get a running back. Hey, that Najee Harris kid looks good. Had to get him. This past year, everybody knew. Everybody knew the Steelers had to get a quarterback. And even the signing of Mitch Trubisky didn't end that talk at all. I mean, everything was still about remember it was Malik Willis mostly at Kenny Falls they snap up the quarterback now's the time now. Doesn't have to be with the 17th overall. It can be with the 32nd overall. I don't want to be waiting until 49 to address this. One of those top two picks in my opinion provided the players align the way you'd like them to always have to throw that in really ought to be the beginning of the next generation of the Steelers defensive line. When we come back, J1Q. segment that I had yesterday about those big great kazoo helmets with all that soft padding and some spectacular results courtesy of the National Football League about their impact, although I'm not sure impact would be exactly the right term here. How about the way they negate that impact? 52% decrease in preseason concussions over the previous three-year average. That is Stunning. So Slim asks, Hey DK, what do you think about, given those statistics, just making those helmets mandatory through the entire NFL season in practices? And what do you think about possibly mandating it in Pop Warner, high school, and college football practices where these young men are still developing? Slim, honestly, I'd hope that's happening right now. I'll say it again. But Mike Tomlin conducted his practices on the south side with those guardian caps on. And he conducted the better part of training camp in Latrobe with those caps on. Whether they were outside or they were inside under the tent, the caps were on. Now, I'll repeat from yesterday that that was not mandatory. That was something the teams could choose to do. Tomlin chose to do it. And I don't see how this is even a point of discussion, much less debate. It absolutely should be mandated right now. I'm just talking about the NFL here. When you see a result like that, look, it's not definitive. A one-year sample size on anything, especially when it's in the context of the NFL having existed for more than a century, Doesn't mean it doesn't mean much. I was going to say it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean much. It's encouraging. But it doesn't put you in a spot where you say, that's it. We're redoing the sport. We're redoing the games. Everybody wears these things all the time, including in games. But that's actually what I was bringing up. That was my real point here, Slim, yesterday. That if you look at this from the standpoint of what it could mean in game action, where it's the hardest, most malicious Physical activity taking place. It's bad intentions. It's a lot of kick returns and punt returns. Ultimately, if you want to have an effect, if you want these caps to have an effect on player safety, that's where you do it. That's where you do it. And if you want to start with preseason games, go right ahead. And that'd probably be a plus anyway, because it would allow everyone to get all their guffawing out of the way. Oh, look how stupid they look. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Or you know what else? Find some other design. Find a way to couch the design. Uh, you know, I understand that helmets are a sacred part of football, obviously. Okay? And the logos... And the Steelers only having theirs on one side, the Browns not having one at all. It's part of the game's character. But I also know that it wasn't that long ago that everyone was wearing leather helmets that, you know, barely made their heads look any different size. Then the helmets came along, the current helmets. Then the helmets became more sophisticated, and now you can even look back to the 70s and see that. Everyone's helmet back then looked kind of like what Kicker's helmets did 20 years later. Times change. Things progress. And all of this is in the name of player safety. And when I say player safety, I'm not just talking about keeping them healthy for the next game. I'm talking about the fact that these are human beings inside these helmets. Human beings with families. And if we're really going to weigh... On one side of the scale, that, and on the other side of the scale, some cool factor? Oh man, we've lost it. We've just lost it completely. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.